You are listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. Okay. Well, we're going to jump back in where we left off last week. We've been in Matthew 16, talking about the keys of the kingdom. Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. Peter's getting divine revelation. And Jesus is making pronouncements over him. Now, we talked about binding and loosing, about how the rabbis in Jesus' day would declare whether a law that they had was applicable or not applicable, whether someone is bound under the law or whether they were loosed under the law. Anybody remember that from last week? You all were kind of glazed over, but uh, it's okay, I was too. So uh, just to clarify what we're talking about, under the old covenant, all kinds of laws, all kinds of regulations, all kinds of rules, and on top of what was there, the rabbis had added volumes and volumes of rules on top of that. And so when Jesus arrived, what God had intended to be something very straightforward and, and a way of life that stemmed from the heart had become this complicated set of rules and regulation that hardly anyone could follow. And so Jesus just absolutely turned the religious world upside down. And here he was telling a fisherman that he could interpret the word of God. And through Peter, he's talking to us and he's saying, if you know me and know the spirit of God, you too can interpret scripture. Wow. Impressive. So Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, just to clarify, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to fulfill, complete, bring to capacity. So how did Jesus do that? We're just going to have a quick rundown of some ways that the law was fulfilled in the new covenant because we're all living in the new covenant praise God a covenant is a binding agreement between two parties it's like a contract only stronger and ratified by blood that's a pretty powerful contract our covenant was ratified by the blood of Jesus praise his name forever all right, if you're reading through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers is in there too, you are going to read many, 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 many laws of how to bring your sacrifice. We don't do that anymore. Praise God. All right, I do enjoy a burnt offering. I do enjoy a good fire. But we don't have to do that. The sacrificial laws 
were completed by Jesus in his sacrifice once and for all. It's okay to cheer, all right? Okay, thank you, Diana. All right, Sabbath laws. In the Ten Commandments, you must keep the Sabbath to keep it holy. All right. How is that completed in the New Testament? Well, that was completed in Jesus. He said on the cross, it is finished. He accomplished the work. So we're living in a peace and a rest that comes from knowing that God has done all the work. And he's doing all the work. And we're to rest in God daily. We're to cast our burdens unto him. We're not to worry. We're not to fret. Now, getting a day of rest is a good thing. Someday, I will actually do that. But in the meantime, I can rest in the fact that Jesus did it all. He paid it all. Amen. All right. Dietary laws. I need a few dietary laws right now. What you can eat, what you can't eat, what's clean, what's unclean. I mean, I like pork as much as the next guy, but these guys were not having pulled pork sandwiches, okay, in the promised land. No. Those were revoked in the book of Acts when Peter had a vision <laughs> And God basically said, it's all good. Take it, eat it, kill it, enjoy it. Now, some things are better for you than others. And if you follow those dietary laws, it's a pretty healthy thing. But you're not bound to that because of the new covenant. All right, and then you have all those thou shalt nots. And what to do if your neighbor is gored by your ox. And what to do if you get in a fight and it's not even mentionable. And what to do. <laughs> You're going to read through a lot of that stuff. Well, thou shalt not steal. That was old covenant. I can take whatever I want now. No, that's not true. Thou shalt not kill. That's old covenant. You should leave the corners of your fields for the poor. Charity, laws of charity, those are fulfilled in the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That covers a lot of stuff. You don't want your stuff ripped off? Don't rip off anyone else's stuff. You don't want to be murdered? Don't murder nobody. <laughs> you want to be treated nice? How many like being treated nice? I mean, yeah, I just kind of enjoy that. Now and then, I just heard a story of a very unscrupulous, unethical doctor and how he treated his patients. That's not good form. You have to be really, really good in order to get away with that. And we're not even sure about this guy. All right? It's just nice to be nice. Okay, that's all covered in the golden rule. The laws of the temple, 
or the tabernacle. How we worship right this minute is a far cry from how they worshiped back then. That was completed by Christ. Jesus came to be the physical representation of the temple. And then when he went to heaven, he declared over all of us, we're the temple. We're filled with his presence, filled with his spirit together. We're his temple. So as you read those laws in the old covenant, think about how they apply to how we live and how we worship today. It makes it much more interesting. The laws of the priesthood. In order to go into God's presence, you had to be born into a special family and follow a lot of rules. The penalties for not following the rules were severe. Death. Pretty serious. Well, folks, look around you. I would introduce to you the priesthood. We call it the priesthood of believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can go into his presence. And it says in the book of Hebrews, we can boldly go before him because of what Jesus has done for us. You are a kingdom of priests. Exciting. What about those marriage covenant laws and rules and who you could sleep with and who you could not sleep with? I got news for you. The covenant of marriage still stands. It wasn't changed in the New Testament. Immoral behavior and lifestyle is denounced in the New Testament as much as it is in the Old Covenant. We need to pay careful attention to that in this day and age. The Old Covenant, with all its rules, regulations, practices, is replaced by a new covenant which was ratified by the blood of Jesus. So awesome that we get to live in this day and age. Just think about it. We're privileged to have access to God's presence through Jesus Christ. I just thought you might be excited about that, okay? Now, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, we read this last week, but it's still true this week, so I'm just going to read it again. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You want a commandment? Some people just need rules. They just need commandments. I'm going to give you one. Love God. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. We call it the golden rule. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If you're good on those two, you're good on all the rest. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Okay, easy as that. Moving right along. Let's go back to Jesus and Peter. Let's listen in on this conversation we've been overhearing the last few weeks. So as we move along, Jesus now says to Peter in Matthew 16, 21, 
From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. Now, this is just classic Peter. The God of the universe is there, and Peter's going to straighten him out. I would think that was odd, but people have been trying to straighten out God ever since. God, let me just tell you a better way. Peter takes Jesus aside. Oh, it gets better. He begins to reprimand him for saying such things. He is correcting the God of the universe. Heaven forbid, Lord. That's about as strong as you can get in Jewish thought and mind. Heaven forbid. We've got a better way. No, he said, this will never happen to you. Wow. Jesus turned to Peter. Now, this is the same Peter that Jesus has just said a few verses up. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. In other words, you've had a direct revelation from God, and you're speaking truth right now, okay? Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Now, that's pretty strong language. Pretty strong. Or get behind me, Satan, whatever version you have. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Deep breath. How easy is it for us with our own reason to see things from a human point of view? That's why I don't really want to be so hard on Peter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? In other words, I'm giving up my life. I'm calling you to do the same. And Jesus is calling all of us because there's a principle there. When we give it all to God, when we lay down our life, he picks it back up. And he does a much better job with our lives than we can do on our own. So, have you ever wondered how one minute, just like Peter, and I identify with Peter so much, have you ever wondered how one minute you can be the nicest person on earth? You can speak the revelations of God you can hit every point there is. And the next, well, maybe not so much. Or perhaps you found yourself as an agent of hell. I've been there. I can be real nice and at a... doesn't take much, the right word spoken at the wrong time, 
or the wrong word spoken at the right time, or the wrong word spoken at the wrong time can set me off. I'm just being honest here. Once we were, we were in England, and my wife and children in England had a puppet ministry. They would go into churches and perform puppet skits that Connie would write, and we would have British people record the scripts, so it was very authentic. And they would uh, do these amazing puppet shows. And we had all kinds of different puppets. We had humans and animals, and there was a devil puppet. Everyone needs a devil puppet, I mean. And so I guess it was a season where I was really busy doing my work at the Bible school. I was teaching, I was preaching on the weekends. I was taking care of the business of the ministry, all the publicity, just busy, 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 busy. And I sensed, because of my keen ability to pick up the emotional needs of my family, keep in mind, this is 25 years ago, because of this special sense that I have that they maybe needed a little more involvement from me, I was sensing the frustration of, of needing to get this puppet show going. And I said to my wife, because there was a place in the script, a part that the devil had in the script. And I looked at her and I said, volunteering graciously, because I'm such a busy, important person, I said, well, honey, I could be the devil. <laughs> and she looked at me as only she can. And she said, you certainly could. <laughs> and I think maybe the thick skull could have gotten maybe what was going on at that moment. Thank God I did not have to be the devil. That part was already taken. <laughs> but you're laughing, I know, because you've been there too. Miss Congeniality, Mr. Congeniality, or the opposite of that, fill in the blank. And in our Bible reading, I used to really judge harshly those quote-unquote children of Israel. I mean, here they are. They've been delivered of all the plagues of Egypt. They've heard the voice of God Almighty. They've celebrated the Passover. The death angel has seen the blood on their doors and has spared their houses. And then God has led them out of Egypt. Leads them to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army follows. The Red Sea opens up. Miraculously, they cross over. Miraculously, the Egyptians are killed. And then they experience the presence of God. They experience great victories. Moses comes down from the mountain and says... This is what God's telling us to do. 
We'll do it, Moses. We'll do it. We want to be God's special people. And then he goes back up the mountain. He stays gone for 40 days. 40 days. What happens when he comes down? They're having a wild party. Yeah. Worshiping a golden calf made by Moses' brother. Unbelievable. One moment they're waving their hands during the praise service. <laughs> the next minute they're bowing down to a dumb idol. Dumb literally could not speak. God's been speaking to them. The calf hasn't spoken to them. What is it with mankind? You read the whole Old Testament, and there is a struggle between doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing. And what happened to these people? What happened? They got impatient. 40 days can be a very long time when you're sitting in the desert. 40 days can be an eternity. And so, in our own lives, we can see this, and this is exactly what Ryan was saying this morning. We get impatient with God's promises. Impatience will lead to doubt. Well, did he really say that? Maybe he wasn't really saying it to me. Maybe this isn't the time. Maybe I should just take matters into my own hands. Been there, done that. Well, if impatience leads to doubt, doubt will lead to disobedience. There's a progression here. And then finally, disobedience leads to death. We got from impatience, well, I'm just being a little impatient here, nothing wrong with that. Well, Take it to its conclusion. We need to learn, it says in 1 Corinthians, learn from those in the wilderness. Because we're all going to end up in the wilderness at some point when we're waiting on God's promises. That's why we need to sing, you are good, even when we can't see it. We need to sing it. We need to say it. We need to read the word. We need to hear the testimonies of other people. That's why we need to get together to encourage each other. God is with us. And he will work all things together for good. Because we love him and we're called according to his purpose. We're winding it up. Romans 6.12 do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. 
So I see here that we have a choice. We can yield to the Spirit of God. We can speak the revelation of God like Peter spoke. Or we can yield to some other voices and speak stuff that's not so edifying. And we can do both things within a matter of a few minutes. Yield yourselves to God. Walk in the Spirit. It's your choice. Last week we had three keys. We have the same three keys this week. How do we do this? Well, how do I yield to the Spirit? It's so hard. I keep failing. I keep falling. Yeah, we do. We do. We fail. We fall. Amber said it once in Celebrate Recovery. You fall down, you get back up. You fall down seven times, you get back up seven times. You fall down a hundred times, you get back up. But it's good to have some other people around you to hold you up until you have the strength to stand on your own. That's why we fellowship together. We can't do this thing on our own. So we need to know the word, number one. Know the word of God. Know his promises. They are true. We need to know the spirit of God. How do we do that? We invite him in. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That's such a great song. And I picture the spirit coming down and hovering and glory cloud and whatever manifestation. Awesome. But when we sing that song, we need to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in our hearts because this is where he lives he doesn't live in this building glory clouds gonna go away we can't live in that glory cloud it's a neat thing I've seen pictures of such things I've heard about it awesome but that glory resides in you and I and we need an increase of that we're supposed to be filled with that spirit and then know that as a believer and this is what Peter was saying and this is what Jesus was commending him for know that you as a believer are in partnership with heaven heaven come on earth as it is in heaven so I'm going to read this verse one more time do not let sin control the way you live do not give in or yield to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin, and that includes our mouths. That's the number one offender. Whoa. Instead, give yourselves completely, yield to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So what's our key of the kingdom today? Yieldedness. Yielding to the spirit. What we yield to is what we let take over. And you can channel, to borrow a word, from the other side, you can channel God. How many like the God channel? That's what we should be tuned into. 
You can channel God. You can channel the Holy Spirit. The only difference between an occult channeling and a Christian channeling is we still have control. We engage our will. We don't give our will over to a spirit. We allow the spirit to have our will. You can channel God. You can still channel the enemy as a believer. Was Peter a believer here? He yielded his thought life to the enemy. Satan was right there. He was just repeating what he was hearing. It can happen, folks. So we need to yield to God. It is our choice. We have a choice. God doesn't override our will. He's good. He's kind. He's loving. That's what we should be displaying. And we're all working on it, okay? We're all a work in progress. None of us have arrived. Let's stand up. Alex. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just cry out to you right now because we know we can't do this thing on our own. We can't. We need you right now. We need your power. Lord, the world needs you, and we're the ones. We're at the plate right now. We're the ones holding the bat. Lord, we're the ones who need to run. And God, through you, we can do anything. So right now, God, we yield ourselves to you. And we just pray that you would fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would honor you each and every day. Lord, that we would have discernment to know when the enemy's speaking. We'd have discernment to know when the Spirit is speaking. And we would yield to you, God. We offer ourselves to you now, as it says in Romans 12, as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable which is our spiritual act of worship so we just want to worship you now in this moment